MFs, what's going on? Hustle Like You Broke, episode 68. We've been at this for a minute now, and I love it every week. Jumping on the bus with some of my favorite people, plus two today. Down one, up two. Overall, big win. Very happy to see my brother Banks. What's going on, Banks? I am in the building. I'm doing very well. The bus is feeling great. I am positive. The sun is shining, and I'm hydrating today. Does that mean you do not have a breakfast I cocktail? I don't have a breakfast cocktail today. I'm, I'm hydrating. I'm hydrating. Okay. I'm going to take the shot on Saturday, so I figured I should be fully hydrated, you know, and uh, cut out the alcohol until... Excellent news. Happens. First shot for you? First and one. Only one. I'm doing the Johnson & Johnson. So Very cool. Very mm. good. Me, I actually got my first shot yesterday. I got the Pfizer. Mm. Uh, I need to go back on the 28th and uh, is what it is. All good. What about you, Sister Dallas? I'm very proud of our county. They're doing an excellent job getting us all inoculated. And um, yeah, Easter Sunday, my partner and I got our first shots and uh, felt good, except you notice as the day progressed, passing the peas got a little harder because it felt like a 500-pound mm. something was sitting right there on the Which shoulder. one did you get? We got Pfizer. So You did? Yeah. yeah I, I, I observed the same. It wasn't necessarily a heaviness, but there was definitely more of a uh, just an achy feeling as the day progressed. When, when it went in and out, it was like I didn't even notice it at all. But a couple hours later, it's like, okay, okay, I feel that. I feel that. Better today, all good. Happy to be, uh, you know, part of the change for the better. Also joining us today, and she was telling me about appointments that were available a month ago, long before anything was uh, was coming my way. Tammy Blevins, what's going on? How y'all doing? Uh, great. I got my second shot last Friday. Ooh. It's be prepared for that. For those of us in the kind of elder category. Who's the middle, the middle category. It was a little, it was a little rough. Hydrate. Um, mm. My arm, the next day or that later that night, my arm had a stomach ache. <laughs> now, yeah, exactly. That's the best way I can explain it. My arm had a stomach ache. It was the mm. oddest feeling that I've ever had. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, I do want to say for the record, you are nowhere close to what did you, how did you refer to yourself? Elder. An elder? I mean, in you middle. elder statesman in terms of maturity, in terms of knowledge, wisdom, I give you elder age. No, not even don't go there. Okay. You look amazing. And uh, <laughs> we love you, Tammy. Moving on from that. I want to talk a little bit about baseball real quick. Now, our resident oh, sports oh. guy is not with us today, but he's not a baseball guy anyway. Yeah. Tammy, you are from Texas. Baseball <laughs> season is upon us. I'm sure by now everyone has seen pictures of the Texas Rangers Stadium with 40,000 plus people no masks. I did see a few. I actually had to give credit to the few people that were wearing them. You were able to the count over, them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? Because the overwhelming majority were not. Like, can you imagine the shit that the dude wearing a mask was getting from everybody mm. else around him? Mm. From all these holier-than-thou Texans that know everything about everything. Now, you'll recall Texas was just in the news a few weeks ago about yeah. something wholly different. 
tragic response or level of preparation on behalf of the Texas leadership when it came to inclement weather prep, widespread power outages, water shortages, all that shit. You would think the leadership in Texas might go home and rethink their life right about now, but no. They're too busy no, going no. to Cancun. What? Well, oh, <laughs> boom. <Damn. laughs> well, in, in true Trumpian dear leader form, wow. <laughs> they doubled down. I mean, it, it definitely worked for Trump. So you got to give them credit when they doubled down. People just, oh, okay, well, I guess he really means it. Let's give him a free pass. So what do they do? Not only do they allow full capacity, they do not require masks. And the governor comes out and says he is not going to require the buzzword of the moment, vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. So, Tammy, let's start with you. What is your feeling on vaccine passports? That's such a loaded question. Mm. That's really a lo- look. I have a child who, before I can enroll her in school, I've got to prove that she has had a certain amount of vaccine. So I've exactly. been carrying around her vaccine passport for 17 years. Just for college now, I had she had to get a on Saturday we had to go get her a, a meningitis vaccine. So. Just in general, vaccines are for to protect the public. It's not just about you. It's about the collective, the collective us. And, and I think that's a great answer because, of course, we, we all respect HIPAA laws. Yeah. You know, privacy issues, I get it. But if you want to travel certain parts of the world, you need to show proof of vaccinations. Mm-hmm. To your point, in order to go to school, I have kids. Banks has kids. Mm-hmm. In order to go for, to school... Vaccines are required. Private companies should have the right, should, because of course, Texas and now Florida have said they are not, they will not allow companies to require vaccination. I, I think that's bullshit. Banks, what about you? What do you say? I, I have to agree. I mean, as a, as a parent, it's just as a remembering having to get vaccinated. I, well, even going back, I remember my first trip to West Africa. And all the vaccines I had to get to go to West Africa. And even when we landed in West Africa, you know, full red carpet, you know, all that government, military, all that stuff. And showing them, okay, I've got everything I've got. And they were like, hey, you don't have this one. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? which one is this? Well, this one. You have to have this one in order to get into our country. It's like, well, don't have that one. How are we going to get it? You can get it right now or you can go back home. Okay, here we go. In the arm. Bam. I mean, You're lucky it's, you got it. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, have you had to deal with polio recently? Have you? Thank had you. To deal with smallpox, you know, all these different things. Like, come on, people, let's just okay. give it up and just let's do it for the greater good. Dallas, anything to add to that? Go ahead, Tammy. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I want to hear what Dallas has to say. No, I concur. I think that if you're a global citizen, which I feel we all are, considering we work across the ponds um, in either direction, (laughs) you know, it's critical. I mean, science knows some things and we have eradicated (laughs) diseases due to this kind of crazy idea of vaccination. And, you know, look, sure, certain things go wrong, but so does many things in one's body. And depending on, you know, where you are in life, Perhaps it just wasn't your day the next day. So if you get diabetes the next day, 
I don't think it was the vaccine. I think it might have been mm. a pre-existing thing that you didn't know about. But unfortunately, you know, with our current situation in America, we have a lot of misinformation and a lot of social media that tends to regulate. So, mm. I mean, I hate to put any kind of barriers on any of us, but I also know that we need it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, safety is number one. I think today's guest will appreciate that. We're going to get to him in a couple of minutes. Tammy, you are going to add something? Uh, no, I, I mean, Christine pretty much covered it. It's, it's, you know, just goes back to the, um, trying to protect each other. And then, you know, I have a passport. I need it to travel. I have to show my ID. I need to travel. I got to get a license. I got to get insurance. So I, this feels this idea of a vaccine passport and whether or not to do it, it still feels very political mm-hmm. and not, mm-hmm. not, um, reasonable or logical Mm -hmm. that that it's we're still in this 2020 space of having to take a side instead of thinking about what is the best for our society so that we can all start traveling and working again Mm -hmm. and we're just still looking for somebody to blame Mm -hmm. yes all of that so Moving on, we are going to ask our guest his opinion on this in a minute, but a couple other quick things, and then we're going to bring him out today. We always do our festival watch. I will say last week was a big week. You'll remember Bonnaroo, Firefly, Hard Summer, etc. This week slowed down a little bit. We saw the announcement of the Wonderstruck Festival in Cleveland. Median scale festival, two-day event, Walk the Moon, Portugal the Man headlining. Um but on the other side, on, on another side of the pond, we saw that Fuji announced they were going to be all Japan-based talent this year. Mm. I think we are going to see more of that with the festivals that do play internationally. Certainly, we've already heard that in New Zealand. We've already heard that in Australia. Uh, I believe we just heard that from one of the European countries just recently saying that any festivals they do host will be domestic talent only. I mean, everybody's got, you know, their own issues and got to get this thing under control as best they can. Uh, I guess I'll be curious, Tammy, I don't know if you can speak to this. I'll be curious what an American promoter perspective would be on allowing international travelers coming to our festivals in the U.S. Might be too soon to say. Well, I don't think that, oh, I know. Well, it's not just up to us because each city or state has a different policy about Fair point. Uh, quarantine or how many days in advance you need to show negative tests. So it's not whether or not we even have an event in a, in a state is now up to the city and, and the state to tell us that we can. So it's not, it's, it's not our call. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, along similar news, we've been doing our Olympics watch and the latest on the news coming out of Tokyo, they seem to be moving forward. Of course, we know no international spectators. Now we're hearing North Korea is bowing out due to COVID related concerns. Um, They are the first that I'm aware of. I'm not aware of any other countries bowing out. Um, You know, no additional comments necessary on North Carolina. North Korea, um, but I no. do think that uh, what? Thanks. No, what, let's, what? let's just stop talking about it. Period. <laughs> just don't mention it. We don't want to trigger any flags. Nothing. 
but but here's what came out of the, by the BBC, reported by the BBC just a couple of days ago. And yes, Banks, that's why I was not going to say anything else. Thank you. Um, BBC reported, meanwhile, in Japan, this is a quote, an Olympic preparatory event was canceled after COVID infections broke out at a training camp for the Japanese water polo team. Seven people testing positive for the virus. It follows the announcement that the Osaka leg of the Olympic torch relay will be canceled after infections in the city hit record highs. There have been growing concerns in Japan that more infectious strains of the virus could be driving a potential fourth COVID wave in the country. So that's an ominous sign. Certainly begs questions here at home. We've, of course, all been hearing that the the UK variant, wherever that derived, I'm not entirely sure, is now the dominant strain here in the US. We are hearing that though 50% or approximately 50% of our population is now had one shot or will have had one shot at least within the next few days, that still means children under the age of 16 are not eligible. It still means 25% of the population is vowing they will not get it, which certainly begs questions. It begs questions if and when, if ever, we will see herd immunity in this country and what impact that ultimately has, again, on all of our livelihood. That in mind, I'm just going to jump today's guest. I've been looking forward to uh, to hanging out with this guy for, for a few weeks now, ever since the day I met. He is an amazing guy. He He's a kindred spirit. He is Dayton, Ohio born. I'm actually Ohio born too. Get out of here. Get out of here. Yes, I am. Kent. I was born actually in nearby Ravenna, Ohio, right outside Kent. Uh, he is a 25 plus year veteran risk assessment and security specialist. He broke into the business working with a management and booking agency during his junior and senior years at Clark College in Atlanta. He cut his teeth on the risk management teams for the Lollapalooza and Smoking Grooves tours. And his clients, this is a crazy list. His clients include Kenny Chesney, Foo Fighters, Ziggy Marley, Beastie Boys, Outkast, Rage Against the Machine, Christina Aguilera, Blink-182, Usher, Linkin Park, Van Halen, Michael Jackson. I could keep going, but let's just bring him out. Micaiah Bailey, what is going on? Thank you for that. Yeah. That's an intro none of us get ever, so uh, thank you. <laughs> Although the conversation prior to that was so bleak <laughs> and depressing. Our, our, se- yeah, our segues right. are often yeah. unexpected. Our, we t- I, I feel like there was one, it was early on, and, and we were ranting and raving about the absence of toilet paper. Yeah. To yeah. We were. I've heard that. I heard you say that. Yeah, the we. I was like, actually. wait a minute. No, 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 no. You. no bank, yeah, it was you. me. No, Banks, I'm pretty sure you were the one who made a comment right before I brought it on. It oh, doesn't matter. I did, we're, I did. we're a we. We are I a did, we. I did. This is a we. Say when it comes to I did. Yeah, your collective was was complaining about it. You, you see, you see, Tammy. You see, Tammy. I mean, I I love that Tammy is our new regular guest host. She's going to be us for with us for the next few weeks. But it's funny. It's all about we until everybody wants to say, no, 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 Matt. That was you. That was you. You. I'm like, what happened to the we? I thought we were a we. 
<laughs> well, I, I have a question about the toilet paper thing. Uh-oh. Ooh. Okay. See how it is? Segway. Go. <laughs> toilet paper or baby wipes? Ooh. Hey. Both. Both. Hey. Both. I will tell you, there, there was be one no minute debate. there where I was struggling <laughs> to find toilet paper, so I bought some wet wipes and... Nope, not the same. Yeah. I, 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 it's not the same, but I didn't hate it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Those baby wipes are necessary, especially on the road. Oh my God. Life changing. Have you ever taken a baby wipe shower or bath? You know what oh, I mean? Oh, 100%. Where you have to hit the pits. Been oh, there. Man. I'm on a yeah. six in a row right now. Yeah. I don't like what I smell like. <laughs> yeah. On that overnight load in, why bother go back to the hotel? Let's yes, just get it done. Yes, yes. Yes, I've, I've been there. We there it is. There it is. Okay, see? See? It, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about toilet paper until we start talking about toilet paper. Then all of a sudden, everybody wants to talk about toilet paper. This whole conversation could be toilet paper. Don't get me started, y'all. Uh, let's not let that happen. Don't worry. <laughs> So we're going to call you Bailey. Bailey, we understand your friends call you Bailey. Uh, So just so our guests are clear, your name is Micaiah Bailey, but you go by Bailey. You have obviously, again, been around for a long time. You've done it. You've seen it. You know, most of us, we talk about what do you do? Are you a venue security? Are you a personal security? You are a, a risk assessment and security specialist. Let's start there. What does that mean? You know what? That was a way of me uh, trying to separate myself from my peers, <laughs> you know, and not just be labeled as the security guy. And that's only because I'm really more of a, ideally, hey, look, we're all specialists at what we do. And I am a fantastically unemployed specialist. Like, <laughs> I'm really good at it. I've done well. And I'm unemployed. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, what my set of skills does not make sense, you know, for like me trying to get a normal job in the normal world. Let me just start there, blah, 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 talk about myself. Uh, I, risk management became, when it became, you know, I jumped in it to learn years, years, years ago. It was all about like venue security and it was some personal stuff. And then you realize like, I've been to court with bands before and you just, there are things outside of just the day-to-day that we're doing on tour. And it was more about protecting people from themselves, if that makes any sense. So it's just, it's more of a, it, it, it's, I, we, we labeled it or labeled it years ago with a buddy of mine, you know, risk assessment, risk management, just to try to just mitigate, as opposed to just being security. Because the first thing people always think is they call you a bouncer or they think that you're like, the guy. I don't stand outside of dressing room. I'm talking about myself. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, there's a million other things to do. So having said that, I needed something that, you know, just encompassed more of who I am. And if you were to hire me, that's where it came from. Because it's, you know, so many people say, oh, yeah, I hired a security guy, I hired a security guy. I I need you to just think of me differently. And I only say that in the sense of I will work to show you that I do differently than what you probably have me label. You know, so it's more about assessing the risk. That's where it came from. I mean, I totally respect that. And and right now I actually do wish Kyle was with us today because Kyle has shared with us a number of times that he's he's, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And he's shared with us and 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 he's a person of color. And so he has shared with us a number of times that he walks into a venue and the first thing people say 
is not, oh, you must be the front of house, you know, engineer. <laughs> Consoles this way, let me walk you out there. They say, oh, you must be security, <laughs> which is fucking bullshit, of course. That's all right. But We're still runners, aren't we? I thought I was still yeah, a runner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am the resident asshole, actually. Um, actually, I was directing a gig a number of years ago. I was directing an awards show, and I, I was the director. And, and the production manager looked at me, and he's, he's, his name is Tim McKenna. He is a highly reputable production manager from the Northeast, Live Nation, Don Law Company, does a, you know, a lot of big gigs. And, and he looked at me, and he's like, you know who you are, right? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're the fall guy. And I said, that's a hundred percent correct. That is, that is my job. I'm the fall guy. Absolutely. You know, it, and, and if you're like, you know, so we all have our roles and you know, Dallas, I, if you want to be the runner, I guess you could be the runner. <laughs> I don't want to be the runner. Guy. I have never wanted to be the runner. I've been the runner, but not something I choose to do. I prefer to do much more other things. Absolutely. But, but my no offense to our awesome actually, runners out there. You are very I, celebrated I, and much needed. <laughs> my point was that there's so much more to security, as you just said, than being a big guy. So why don't we just jump into that? Tell us about your career path and tell us, I mean, tell us a little bit of the, the day-to-day, like what it is that you do as a security guy who doesn't just stand outside the door. Okay, fantastic. Uh, just if I could backtrack to something you guys were talking about earlier, just so you know, I got my second shot of Moderna yesterday. So today is my... I feel fine. Haven't had any. She's got sore arm, that wow. kind of thing. But if for some strange reason you just see me like, <laughs> you know, I'm like yeah, I got my blanket around me. Bailey's nodding off. Got it. <laughs> I'm just like, but I feel totally fine. God, I'm, I'm, I feel, and I feel great that I'm, I'll be inoculated. And, and I meant to ask you about the vaccine passports we were talking about before too. So if you have an opinion on that, by all means, let us know. Either which way, however you want to jump in. I'll answer that and then I'll get into my life because that's like the last thing I want to talk about. The vaccine passports. You know, people say like I've been affected by COVID either from somebody getting it, someone passing away from it or someone being affected by it financially. And the way and what I try to explain to people is if you can get out of your myopic view and as you're talking to me, you're talking to somebody who is still affected by what's going on with COVID. I travel internationally, as all of us do. We all work around just two years ago, I was out with Foo Fighters. We we're going to do our, our South American leg, you know, literally sitting in the production office one day and someone comes in and it's like, hey, there's a yellow fever breakout uh, outbreak down in South America. Everybody needs to get the vaccine. Cool. No worries. Like it's something I'm so used to. This never bothered me. And I think having the va- a vaccine passport makes me feel better to know that you care about not having this. I don't want to fight this. I don't want to know what this does to me. So let's get the vaccine. It takes 180 days to see what something will do to you medically. We're way past that. We're a year into this. Jab me right now in my head so I can go. I don't want to fight COVID and I don't get sick and everybody says that, but I don't want to see if this is going to do something to me. So that's just where I am with it. I don't know. We as, I love this country, very loyal to this country, but I don't understand why we as Americans think that we like that this is taking our freedom like having your freedom taken is something so different 
Mm. It's so different. Yes. This is just asking you to make a decision to be a little bit smarter about someone else. I swear to God, you can still carry your gun outside, go do whatever you want to do, just get the damn shot. And if we're going to die or there's something weird, there's a whole bunch of us that are about to die. Because I'm one of the people who got the shot and I'm comfortable with it. And that's just how I feel about it. And I just, it, it boggles my mind. I would love for us to get a vaccine passport. You got it. I, I'm bragging about it. I want you to have it. Yes, that's it. That's how I feel about that. <laughs> love it. All right. In, in my life, I started in college. I was actually at, and this is going to sound so goofy. Me and my buddies used to throw parties. So we were the weekend guys throw parties. So that's how I got into like, okay. I rent this building, we charge this, we bring in a DJ. And our thing back in the day, like by my junior years, we would hire TV personalities <clears throat> to come and host parties. So it was always like the host of Rap City. I went to a black college. So we always did that kind of stuff. So we would have like people you see on TV come host parties. That was that was my end, right? So my little clique of guys that I went to school with, a couple of them are managers in the business now. Everybody does something in entertainment, just a few of us, right? That's how I got started. Um, I worked at a restaurant as a server and the, a guy who managed Outcast at the time, this was in 93, beginning of 94, he came into the restaurant. My buddy knew him and was like, you need to go talk to him. So I was already like, hey, you know, I do little parties. I want to get in the industry. So I went and talked to him. He brought me on as an intern and I learned to literally be do day to day for this band that was doing well at the time or this group that was doing well at the time. And went on the road and just learned how to do one-offs. And it was just a really weird setup, but I learned everything from where to hire my buses. And we only had one bus, you know, six of us, you know, buses, what having a real backline tech man, what having a front house guy and not a sound guy, as they like to call him, rap, you know, just learn that kind of stuff. So that's, that's how I started on the road in 94. That company subsequently left Atlanta. I stayed in Atlanta and I started working for, a company that did all of the, uh, the the entertainment venue during the Olympics in 96. I started working for that company. Where Richard Jewell, the explosion and all that, that's the company I was working for. So we did all of the, it was called AD Entertainment. It's a company out of uh, LA. AD is like a big tour guy. He had smoking grooves, Lollapalooza, and they brought in his team to oversee the venue guys. And so I was one of the venue guys. And that's how I started. Literally, I'm like the, ultimate opportunist if I want to do something. So I came in, busted my ass, went to AD and was like, I need to be one of your tour guys, blah, 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 blah. So he was like, cool. I moved to LA, fucking busted my ass working at the Palladium and working at all these clubs in LA for months. Like, cause it wasn't about just getting on the road. It was like, I need you to understand who are you going to be around what we're doing? Cause my goal was to transfer from, I wanted to stop doing rap shows and I wanted to be in something more pop alternative I, I wanted to go where i saw people i was one of those people that followed tours but i was never on tour and be like oh well like who the blowfish they work all the time or this guy works all the time these rappers we're doing like two shows you know a month like what the fuck is going on what is this you know what i mean so that was that was my blah 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 goal so mm -hmm. went out to la trained and and ad is the guy who i want to say I, I i could be wrong but he has been his team has taken care of Michael Jackson from literally, I think from like the early eighties through he's got like people that still like work at the family house, that kind of thing. So that was my connection into that world. And he was the most big time person I had met in that scene. And he just opened my doors to a whole bunch of stuff. So started that went on tour, uh, partner of mine, Pete Beadle, uh, a good friend of mine, 
he and I were were working for AD. Pete got a call to do Pearl Jam, and they wanted someone else to someone else to come out with Pete. Started doing Pearl Jam, and from there, just stayed in the rock world. And, and that's how I started working for Rage Against the Machine, and then Blink One Eighty Two, and just just locked in forever. And then my my foray into pop, I was on the road with Rage Against the Machine, and my buddy called me. and was like, "Here's this girl, Christina Aguilera. She's got a big record out. Guy, she's got out with her is kind of an idiot." can you come out and do something? And just from there, I, I'm one of those people that like, I lock in with people. T- to answer your question, yes, I do come in doing security, but I'm, my world is I'm a, I'm a make it happen guy. So just whatever makes it easy, just keeping people focused on what they need to do. And, that, and that's where I started in, and from there. I love that. Awesome. I think that's a fantastic, albeit slightly vague, <laughs> I, I don't i could talk like there's so many little stories because it hasn't been like work bust your ass and achieve it's been work bust your ass get kind of you will always get the uh the information before you get the money and before you get the experience you know so the experience of not getting tours the experience of not getting hired like there was a lot of that prior to locking in and so i found someone who who locked in with me and it was the Pearl Jam team. I love those guys. Just love the whole, that's when I found like there was management, tour management, people that really cared about like their crews and how, not just this tour, but what are you doing next and how do you do that? And I locked in and it was like, that's when I would work for certain production managers with certain tour managers and just got the game. That's all, you know? And so that, and that I'll know, add that to it. Let me just say. <laughs> well, and- and I will say, from what I understand, you really kind of transcend security into touring and road management as well. Yeah, I've been, I've been, look, I, I'll do it all. I'll do it all. And I've been able to specifically just tour manage, specifically just handle some aspect of road management with the band and always do. The way I look at it is I'm, I'll do security no matter what. You may probably hire me to do that. If there's if something else comes up, I can do it. But yeah, I've been able to specifically just do those gigs on the side. And that's just a byproduct of being able to do security for so many people for a, a long time. You know, they, they, people feel comfortable with who they trust and who they know just, just understands the business a little bit differently and has good relationships with people. And, you know, I'm comfortable with all those things. So that's always been able to help me. How do you handle trying Love to find that. quality personnel? That's a, that's a wonderful question. You know what's funny? I don't recommend a lot of people. I, I can tell you with two fingers how many people I recommend. When people call me, I know that they want to hire me. Not the job, but what I do and my approach to it. So if I recommend somebody, you have to work like I do. And there's I don't trust people to do that. And I've seen guys get recommended in on every level, whether it be security, backline production, and it's like, that's not the guy. And I never want to, I don't want to infuse the bad vibe to a tour. Tours are vibes to me, you know? So I don't want to do that. I know what I like to bring. So if I can't bring somebody in that's doing that. So, so having said that, it's, I, I find the pool, although it seems like there's a lot, there aren't a lot of people that do it the way I like to do it. So I'm super picky, if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm sensing a business opportunity here. I think you should be creating like a, a training module on <laughs> security and risk assessment and just, you know, a high level perspective on ways to approach the job with a more macro view 
of of the tour or the event and not just the you know guy who stands at the door type of approach i've been trying (laughs) what's that i said i've always tried i've done i've done some some teaching along the way and some consulting along the way but it's hard man like it's some of this just has to be in you you know and the way you see the world i don't there's black white and there's gray like i live in the gray because it's not always one thing and you have to see it certain ways like i can't I can tell you that, but you got to experience it, you know? So that's why I'm super tight on who I trust with it. I told you this guy was a kindred spirit before, right? Yeah. I actually wrote a book back in this. I, I've never even said this on the podcast. I was like, you I wrote actually, a book? I wrote a I, book like 15 personally. years ago, and I it, it was... I just had to get a bunch of shit out of me and I just started writing it down and it was called reality check, a common sense guide to breaking into the business. And there is a chapter that is called living in the gray. And oh. I totally <laughs> agree with that. A thousand percent. I'm going to leave it at that. If you can find the book. Awesome. I, 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 I take only limited uh, responsibility for the things that I said. <laughs> Why don't you just email it out? It sounds like you I had know. your, so you like your Jerry Maguire moment. I'm like <laughs> try, Googling it. This may yeah. happen. It may happen. I'm it's going to move on. This is not about me. So similar to Dallas's question about people that you recommend. I mean, again, taking this macro perspective to, pers- to, to security and, and in order to give people a better sense of your, your mind share, what is it that you're looking for? when you are doing your job in security? Great question. Um, you know, when, when I'm doing my job, and, and you did ask me to explain what I, what I do on a day-to-day, and I, I can get it on it. So what I'm looking for is, like, I work and live several weeks ahead of what we're doing, right? So first thing I want to see is how far ahead of you what we're doing, and then how much you care about what's happening right now. So I need to know, like, how do you see this? Are we... Is are we just going into the venue? Like, have you done any advanced work? Do you know who you're talking to? You know, we are as strong as the people we have to work with. So I, I need like very proactive people, 100%. You got to be, because if you're sitting around waiting on someone to tell you what to do, then that's not your job. Okay. Someone's doing it for you. So I need proactivity. I need you to care. I need you to understand the optics of everything you're doing all the time, how you look, how you're speaking to people, like what you're representing. And just ultimately, don't be a dick, man. Like, like listen to people. Yes. Like, talk to people. Like, we are not, we're human beings. We need to do the same thing. I need to get the same, like, we all want the same goal. Roll in, roll out. We need the venues. The venues need us. Like, there, there's this, so it's so funny. Sometimes people represent them, like, they're, they'll go out on tours, and I feel like they feel like they need to represent themselves as something bigger than what they are. I don't know if it's the artist or the music, but they allow that to seep in when really we're there to, we're like the conduit to just make it all work. So that's what I look for. So I need you to, I just need you to be a thinker. Let me just say all that. That's what I'm. Okay. So tell us a little more about risk assessment. I mean, what does risk assessment mean? So risk assessment for us, or for me, it it started with, there's a band Pearl Jam who, you know, we played a festival. I I missed this festival. But this is, there was one festival where you already know lots of people died. Okay. It started there. And, and it, when I say risk assessment, it started with what happened. It was barricade. It was land. It was rain. It was how we set, how this was set up because of the elements. That's one part of it. Okay. 
when we build, you know, depending upon, I work for Lint Biscuit, right? We come in, man, and I mean, I would go to buildings like, look, man, we about to tear this building down today. I'm sorry. I'm just being straight up. I don't, we're not, because I'm not some asshole. This is a rough show, okay? It's a rough show. So how do we mitigate what I know is about to happen? How do we build a barricade so that, you know, we're looking at the flow of how the crowd is going to sway and how we break that up so we don't get kids collapsing uh, in the pocket? When they do collapse, how do we get them out? Once they collapse, where is medical placed throughout the building? So we know to immediately get, because a kid collapsed, they pass out for a minute, you can get them hydrated, and then we can make a determination, do you need to stay in the show or are you okay? But but these things can be critical because if you send your kid to a show and they come back or they're in the hospital or something catastrophic happens, that's going to come back on us. That's going to come back on the band. And that is the part of risk management that's bigger than did I get us from the bus into the hotel. That's like, anybody get sued? Did we lose the money that the band played? You know what I mean? I mean, that the band got paid because we had to pay out a lawsuit, you know, that kind of thing. So th- that's where risk assessment comes in. It's everything. And, it, and it's from having had things that happen, even with the artists, like I'll use Pearl Jam as another example, because that's literally where this started for me. Eddie Vedder, the lead singer, there are certain songs, you know, Eddie starts singing. Eddie starts climbing the rafters of the, of the gig. Eddie will jump off the speakers. Like, when you see an artist doing that, that, that's like everything. That's the whole tour right there. Just jumped in the crowd. And he does it every night. And it's not staged, and it's not polite. But I can't get anybody hurt. Definitely can't get him hurt, but he's doing it to himself. And I know he's going to do it, so I can't stop him. So I need everybody to know that this is going to happen. Okay? And so how do we mitigate what's going to be a shock, make sure everybody's good, and we get back to the show. Does that make any sense? So that's where the risk assessment comes in because there's just there's just things that, you know, look, if we could, you know, do well financially and do a tour that or do tours that nothing ever, ever, ever happened, that'd be great, but that just doesn't happen in my world. So that's where risk assessment comes in. All right. So on your, this next question's a little bit provocative, and it's a bit of a slippery slope. So I want to be careful how I ask this, but... I want to know about when risk assessment goes too far. And I've spent, and and by that I say, I've worked, the majority of my clients for the last 10 years have been in hip hop. And I do feel like there's an element of, we've all experienced this, an element of profiling that goes too far in a quote unquote, you know, packaged as risk assessment. So tell me your thoughts on that. Now, when you say go too far, as far as the the vibe that you're creating for the show and they've done something to someone or as far as the the people that they're working with, which part of it? As far as the preconceived notions of the locals when you are coming into the building. There you go. Okay, that's, that's a great question. So our tour is as strong as the locals that know the building better than we do. That's, that's the world that I live in. Where does it go too far? It's very simple. Like, listen, I know you guys have probably all done tours where you have that one, that aspect of the tour, that person of the tour that kind of makes you bristle because they're a bit of an asshole. It's been tour managers like that, been production managers like that, definitely been security guys like that. Super heavy handed, you know, like we're not the military, we're not the police, and we're not there to willfully kick your ass if you don't do anything like none of that is what you're supposed to do all of those things have happened all the, there's lots of people who misrepresent themselves that way and, and some of that comes from i think 
it depends on how people got in the business. There are a bunch of like ex-military guys that do tours that are just way too heavy-handed. There are a bunch of ex-cops that do this kind of stuff and just heavy-handed. Not saying that those that mentality is the only people that you hire, but it just depends on the guys you hire. And just certain companies. There are there are security companies out there now that kind of train their guys to be all or nothing, black or white, never gray. And so that's where it goes too far. I'm never like, I'm look, man, guys hate me because I work a lot. Like I work all day. And I say that in the sense of that, but I also like to play hard, but I like to work all day. Always care about the gig. Um, but at the same time, I will also ridicule you if I think you just got like a stick up your ass and you're just being a jerk to people. Like that's the worst thing ever. I never, ever want that. I never want that. Okay. So is there such a thing as too much security? That's a wonderful. Well, see, that that's, I, that's twofold in the answer. Number one, if I say too much, that's taking a job away from a guy who could need the job. And And let me say this. If an artist is willing to pay for it, because it's not coming out of any of our budgets, but if there's an artist or a management staff or a team or a tour director that says, this is in my budget to pay for it, then I can't say that it's too much. And I don't own a company where you can come hire all my guys. I'm just me. But having said that, absolutely the answer is yes, there can be way too much. Fuck yeah. I do tours now. It's just me. You know, I am, for Kenny Chesney, I am part road manager, part personal security, all venue security, part make it happen guy. And it's just me and we do stadiums. I've been doing that for years and I don't say, I'm not bragging. I worked for the Foo Fighters for years and I love, that is my family. I did Foo Fighter tours by myself. Whole band, whole everything. There are seven guys that do the job that I did now. I love them all. They can all, they all bust their ass. Those guys are great. I mean, who am I to say there's too much? If you're willing to hire it and you need it, there's a lot more moving parts now. You know, it just depends on how the band grows. I mean, I think sometimes people get intimidated by security when they don't always know what those guys do. And really sometimes, yeah, does it seem like it's too much? Sometimes the, the band just needs a bunch of assistants and they hire guys that ultimately become their assistants. And, you know, I worked for Lincoln Park. Man, seven, eight, nine of us out there. Four venue guys, everybody on the... I mean, it seems like a lot, sure, but all, yeah, but nobody was on the bus with us late at night, three or four o'clock in the morning, taking care of band stuff. Nothing to do with security, just being the band assistant. Everybody had to do that. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a yes and no answer to that question. Because yes, I do it by myself. And no, I mean, depends on what the band wants. Well, well let, what about <laughs> on the local side, though? What what is is there ever too much security on the local side? And and taking that a step further, I've said before that when I see security with guns or too many security with guns, that actually heightens tension and creates problems more than it alleviates tension and eliminates problems. So how do you feel about that? Okay, so to answer that question, I, it's so funny. I don't mean to be babbling on here. So I'm. That's why we're here. We're my good. last answer was specifically <laughs> the work aspect. Now I'll, I'll answer you about the venue aspect. Hell yeah, there can be too much security. Oh my God. First, man, I can walk a building prior to doors being open and be like, what the hell are we doing? Because it isn't the numbers. I mean, you just mad, they're just bodies, right? So you're not using them as shields. We're not at war. You need people in effective places, not just numbers. It's effective. You can have 50 guys in a barricade during a rock show and you got 
thousand kids that just snuck into a gate because there's nobody sitting there on the gate. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, that, that's all about being effective. I never like guns on the floor. Said that forever. I advanced that. I had the conversation. I talked to the police officers prior to shows. Let them know that, look, I know I need you here. It's a busy show. I got drunk people at this show. You know, people do dumb things when they're drunk. I hate guns on the floor all the time, 100%. And, and, and having said that, you know, there's a lot of artists that, that you have to travel with, you know, and a lot of guys carry. And we know we've had, in, you know, incidents. You know, there's a reason to have firearms out, but never a reason to let everybody know you got a bunch of firearms. Okay. So along similar lines, I hate to bring this up, but mass shootings have become, you know, it, it's like they happen every day now. And, and even just yesterday, we're taping here on the 8th of April, just yesterday, five people shot and killed in South Carolina. And then the gunman turned the gun on himself. He was actually a former NFL player. Very sad story. But we know that mass shootings are reality. We know that active shooter protocols are reality in terms of a security professional's job. I, I want to kind of tie that into a story. All of us here, uh, well, myself, Dallas, and Banks worked for a manager who for a long time didn't believe in security. Felt like, you know, security is like insurance. You don't need it until you need it. And he felt like, well, the point at which you need it, it's too fucking late because that person's in the venue. He's killing people. What's the point of me paying that person X number of thousands of dollars a week when people are just going to die anyway? So what do you have to say to that? You know, mass shootings are terrible, right? But none of us, like, like literally everyone on the screen, like if there was one way to prevent them all, we absolutely would. So the best thing we can do is I take the paranoia of how mass shootings get started. And I take that into uh, the performance in the show. Okay. I do designate, you know, if it's just myself backstage uh, with the tour doing security, you know, prior to the tour ever happening, I had this conversation with someone else on the tour. It's normally always tour management uh, or tour director about, who's carrying on the road and just what we call our emergency plan. Because the reality of it is I don't want to get in a shootout with a mass shooter, but I want us to protect ourselves. And so the plan is, first of all, how do we let the entire tour know what to do? Because it isn't just the artists. It, all of us need to get out. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole tour needs to know what to do. Everybody doesn't need to carry guns. There's traveling across state lines too much. I don't even want you having that responsibility. Keep your guns at home. And then my separate conversation is, here's how I get X, Y, Z out of here. Here's what we're going to do if that ever happens. So it, it has to be all encompassing. Oh, I'm sorry. It has to be all encompassing. So I, I say all that to say, I just take the paranoia into it, advance my way around it as much as possible, and, you know, pray for the best. There, there's, there's a couple companies, there, there's one company in particular that we've used where, you know, we've done shows where we, we need more eyes and ears that, that we've been able to hire. Sometimes I'll do that, but other than that, everybody needs to know basically how to get in and get out of the place. Have you had to do with uh, speaking about that and how society has progressed and we deal with this on a regular basis? Have you had to deal with having a conversation with crew members who want to become vigilantes and one of, hey, you know, if you need something, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm, I'm ready. It's like, wait a minute, sir. I get I get that all the time, uh, Bailey. I got your back, baby. Mm. 
Forever need you. I got your back. And I always say, you'll be in the back of the squad car with me because we both going to jail. <laughs> and then when we go to court and they're suing the band for a million dollars, that's going to come out your check somehow. You don't want my back. Just stay back. You don't want my back. Now, if you see somebody jumping me as just a colleague, get my of back. Course. I will never be like, fellas, round up. Time to go. That should never, ever, ever happen. And if that's happening, we got to get out of there. But yes, I, I've I've experienced that all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't want any vigilantes. I just do what you do. Don't even worry. I, I don't, and I don't want you thinking that in my head as a security guy, I'm thinking about fighting people all the time. <laughs> Definitely not doing that. Like I've had to put my hands on people because I had to put my hands on them, but not because I walk around. Tr- I could tell a wonderful story that I we can. T- I call it back of the bus talk. Very popular gentleman who's been doing security yeah. forever. He's a badass martial artist, did a tour with a band. I told him, like, we had a pre-tour, like, hey, man, you need to stop thinking that you need to prove how tough you are. I watched him get his ass whooped several (laughs) times. You can't live your life like that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, no. Anyway, that's me. (laughs) So, So, I have a question. Talking about the emergency action plans, I find it fascinating how often on big tours, we have some security outfit. I'll stay away from names. And <laughs> inevitably, you know, we've those of us who've toured in any kind of cycle of any shape over a couple years in the business already know the venue in some way, shape, or form. But yet these security guys who are supposed to be these well-vetted dudes who are on our thing, why does it take, oh, I don't know, 18 hours for them to produce an emergency action plan that it's showtime. It's almost showtime by the time you get it. We've been in the building all day and, you know, it blows the mind how these guys get away with it. And then, oh, look, I did this. I'm like, dude, I don't have time to read a freaking 20-page, whatever that stupid nothingness is. You know, and it's, I could spend a lot of time talking about this, but it's infuriating <laughs> to me. And it, I just can never get around why it just doesn't come from the foundation of their job. Something like that. Or self, you know, like even just health and safety. Even recognizing something as simple, like forget an armed shooter, but something as simple as like people aren't doing well or, you know, so-so over there is having some troubles and maybe they need a little... And somehow I think it would fall nicely in a security branch, but often these people are unavailable, unobtainable. And like you say, are kind of like the ogres. Uh, if, if they have any issues, uh, I like to refer to them in certain ways that are probably not appropriate, but <laughs> a lot of times it's, it's from some little small part of their anatomy, not because, you know, it could be their brain, oh. it could be other parts, but it, it's the, all this ego. And to me, the first thing you got to step at the door is the ego. We all are in places where ego is not accepted. The only person that can have the ego are the artists. Let them ego out. That's what we're all there for. But it really drives me crazy. And when you ha- try to have a conversation about it with a PM or everybody's just like, eh, eh, because they don't want to get involved. But for my safety and for the people around me who I care about, which are inevitably the crew, why are we such a secondary and tertiary thought instead of being a primary thought just as much as, you know, because we're all there. We're the ones in the hours all day. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, my, my thoughts are you just don't, you haven't hired people who think about it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, if you hire those folks, you have to tell them, here's what I need you to do. That's what I don't want to hear. You tour with me. I have that plan when we get to the venue, because number one, I'm going to get a schematic from the building. Hello. I'm going to get the building's going to send you like, cause now just so you know, and I know people like to validate their jobs. All buildings have to do it now. 
send me your emergency evac plan. I'm just going to work mine around that. And all I'm going to do is here's where all my people are. All you got to do is say, where the fuck are we going and where are we meeting? That's it. Like it's a, it's a two pronged step. Cause I can't have you thinking like, Oh my God, there's a shooter. Do I go to exit A? No, no, no. I need you here. Everybody meet here. That's all that's going to be. This is what we're going to do. So. And the secret code pathway can't be put up at, you know, after like when people are on the bus taking a break. It needs to be there from first thing in the morning. It should be the first job of the day. Just like signage. You know, it doesn't, you don't want to know where catering is at the third meal. You already figured it out. You need to know before you go to the first meal. It's pretty simple, <laughs> you know. I feel like you have had this conversation or at least this thought. I can hear it. <laughs> I can awesome. see it. Like we're in the office, like, why do we just do this? Oh, I got like, a lot. Sense. I agree with you 1,000%. (laughs) Like, I want it it because it needs to be something that everybody knows. When you see this X or when you see this, that's the point I was talking about on your day sheet. If you're not looking at your day sheet, and all it is is meet here. Here's here's our – I don't want to make it complicated. I don't want you to see how awesome this schematic is. Here's what we need to do. I've marked it. That's what we do. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. That's why we have signage. Because none of us look, we just go dressing room, production hours. Yeah, I'm kind of a, like that's like a pet peeve of mine when I don't have proper signage. Just say so because I hate yes. to walk in, or if I haven't been there all day with an artist, and I don't, and I look stupid. Of course, don't even look stupid if you've been here all day. <laughs> okay, I feel so you. I, I have, I have a question here. Um, so especially with the festival side of things, right? Right. One of the things uh, I have learned or come to over the years with regards to signage and the like the emergency evac plan is that for signage now i would prefer to wait until i have a meeting usually it's a day in advance with um, security and the production team like they bring their own signage for inside the compound to get out because i don't want to make i i learned quickly we waste a lot of money assuming how you want your artists to move your crew to move around where they can go. But on the, because we build, you know, that festival is built out. Even though we've done Lala for almost 20 years now in the same spot, that meeting with the security team, I learned something new every single year. We can advance and talk and everything, but when you get there, and we're looking, and this fence line, it's like, God, that needs to go to eight feet. Yeah, you're right. That does need to go to eight feet. The stairs are taller on the trailer, so you can see over. Every year, I learn something new about, and, uh, you know, like se- helping you guys secure that, that area. And then later on, if something happens, it becomes easy to get everybody out. Absolutely. Really, really easy after that. Yeah. You know what I, I found, like, so on the festival side of things, especially when it's a festival that's been going on for a long time. I never want to be the guy that comes in day three or four of the festival trying to change what has been working for weeks. You know, you've planned it. Now, unless they're paying me to leave my tour to come to the festival, or you want me to come do some consulting? Sorry. Yeah, it's great. But the reality of it is I should trust that you are thinking the same way I am and we all want the same thing, right? So if I don't, if, if my goal is that if I come in, I'm going to ask you, what your plan is, how do you have it marked, what do you want to do? As long as it just jives with the basics of what I need, I'm rocking with it, you know? Like, I need to, yes, there's some adjustments we need to make. Let's take a look based on things that may have happened in the past, but we can't keep keep changing it if it works, you know? And so that, to me, is like the gray area of you got a great plan, I'm down. 
I may need to tweak it only because I've got an extra bus or I've got something going on. You know, that's it. But other than that, I... Yeah, the general setup, usually yes. that tweak happens on the Wednesday or Thursday before, and there's not much that, there's not much that changes, right. you know, after that, unless there's an artist that is super private and, you know, the doc yeah. kind of looks over into the compound and they're Absolutely. like, oh, this isn't going to work. Yep. Sometimes that happens, but it is all about getting them out of there. Now I have another question because is about vehicles artist vehicles nine times out of ten headliners they want you know black suvs but getting out um, from my perspective i think that black cars suvs high-end cars just draw more attention to you know that artist leaving I've actually been laughed at before. I'm like, well, dude, let's do minivans. I love minivans. The doors open on the side. <laughs> you can get in. Nobody is looking at you. Rocking. It's like a moving yeah, uh, oh, yeah. like birth control. It's just like no one cares. What an analogy, Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> I was 100% right. with you until right then. <laughs> mean that no one it's many bands people don't think they're sexy oh. they don't no one wants one they think that you're a soccer mom in it so they're i've had one okay, artist in years <laughs> i love minivans minivans are great yeah. i think to yeah. me they're actually more more safer because yes. of the way that the doors slide yes but anyways i want to know how you feel about that like the the suv that's harder to get into minivan I'll say this, if, if, if we're playing a festival and I'm taking care of my own transportation, I'm always going to go with some black SUVs or a company that I've already used more than likely because I'm using them for something else. So instead of changing drivers and cars, these are the guys that took us to dinner last night. I use these guys all the time. They know where the venue is. I make them do a dry run. They know how to get in and out. I just need us to get in and out. When you are, when it's just like, okay, let's go play the festival, the festival sending vans over. I want the thing that is the most comfortable and most easiest. So I, I agree on both sides. And, and I'll only say that I have been fortunate enough to not have, I haven't worked for someone who would be like, oh my God, a minivan just pulled up to get me. <laughs> so I haven't had that issue. Um, so it's really more about just what is convenient for the, for the moment. But I, I do totally agree with you. I think that's a great, I mean, the Sprinter van has become a very popular thing now because they're so big and wide. Minivans are great. Aww. Yeah, and, and so minivans are great. Yes, black SUVs do tell on you, but uh oh, black SUVs are still better than limousines. Oh, hundred percent. Who uses limousine. limousines? <laughs> exactly. I'm going old school. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I want to add to that, and this isn't even a question, but. I, I, I'm curious, I guess maybe I'll make it a question. It seems that a lot of artists, they want that, you know, that oversized black SUV for the same reason that they want the biggest security person they can find, which is not to keep them safer, but because they want to call attention to themselves. Anybody want to disagree with that? I have no to say. No comments? I, you know, I, I don't have any Good choice. Say, like I say, from my personal experience, I've been very blessed that the people that I've worked for, for want to get in and get out. And if something happens, it's, it's between us. It's not because 
good God, look at that behemoth that's with him. <laughs> you know, but I know people like that, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. So when we talk about safety, we think about overhead safety. You know, I think about Jim Digby and the Event Safety Alliance. We think about safety standards. And historically, that's overhead safety, rigging, you know, the way equipment gets put together. It's also external security threats that we're talking about. People coming into the building, people that we are encountering along the way. But one of the things that seems to be evolving in the business is the need to mitigate internal safety issues. I'm talking about harassment. I'm talking about assault. I'm talking about bullying. How does security and your role factor into that evolution of safety on the road? You know, that's a great question as well. I will say that it's funny because in, in Chesney world, it's what started off as a joke has now become me being the kind of de facto HR. And it's only because I, I like to, you know, the only way I can get you to stop thinking that I'm a guy that stands outside this dressing room is to do more and to show you that there's more that I'm concerned with. Part of the crew is 100%. Like the vibe of the crew means everything to me. So whether it be bullying, whether it be harassment, like I've checked guys all the time. And I've worked with some guys whose mouths flow I call them, you know, just walking lawsuits, you know, but I've had times where I've definitely been like, you know, you're out of line. You know, we haven't gotten to a point where we are policing ourselves. Um, you know, it's almost like we're self-policing ourselves. I'll leave it at that. So I'll, I'll just say that it's something that I'm very aware of. and something that I make note of. It's something that I respond to on my tours, you know, so I do care about that. And, you know, there are certain things that need to be handled within your department. I'll go to a department head first all the time. It's not me to, I'm not here to regulate. I'm not everybody's babysitter uh, for sure. But, you know, sometimes department heads have to lead. No, no, not sometimes, all the time. They have to lead. So, and that can go beyond just being like, that's my boy. You know, the riggers are boys. Like, like I need you to check your boy or I need you to do that. And I think that once people realize that somebody else sees it and that there are consequences, you know, because we all kind of work freely thinking that nothing can happen. But when you're checked, I find that people respond to that. Mm. I like it. <laughs> so let's stick with the evolution of security. For our, for our listeners out there, if you read Polestar, there was an exceptional article about Bailey just recently. I mean, really, nice. really impressive. Really, really speaks volumes about just how... How, how exceptional this gentleman is. And there was one passage in it which reads, defining the job as everything from risk management, venue strategy, artist transport and safety, minimizing lawsuits, team litigation, to, quote, making sure the doors get open and people get out safely. Bailey has watched the touring artist security industry grow, evolve, and reach new heights. So let's talk about that real quick. How has the industry evolved and reached new heights? One of the ways it has evolved is, unfortunately, a lot of that litigation and some of the injuries or some of the, I don't want to say catastrophic because I don't even want to talk about that, but well, no, let me say it. some of the catastrophic things that have happened have taught us a lot. So what 
what if you, you know, if you're new to the business and you walk into a show and you, you know, touring with a rock band and the shows are real heavy and you see that the, the seats are tied down a certain way or the barricade is done in a certain way. Oh, why is that T barricade? Why are we using two barricades? Why are we putting a separate, you know, barricade in the middle? Why are we doing this? Or, you know, why is why is medical placed here, here and there? And there's there's lighting for this. Like that is all that evolved from a lot of the craziness that happened along the way. So for me, it started with, you know, we used to do advances and fax them off and just wait on a response. <clears throat> and then I went from that to, you know, now we electronically do everything. I have seen advances from lots of different tours where I just will read and I'm like, okay, now I see we're at least, although we don't all work together, we all have, there's a similar mindset. You know, how we execute it is different, but I've seen that there's at least finally a similar mindset. It used to be like, you know, we're all traveling armies, right, with your tour. And it used to be, okay, well, who was in here before us? Well, they did this, and we did that, and we did this. Now there's, I see there's more form just in general to shows. Like the initial conversation you have with a promoter rep when you get to the venue is so much different than it used to be because we've shared so much more information. You know, there's so many more things we want to do. We understand. You know, sometimes there would be a time when, uh, look, I know you guys have a million years of experience like I do. You know, you have time where, you're dealing with a promoter who does not care about the things that you're telling them happen in your show. And it's just like, man, well, it, it, that doesn't happen anymore. Not, not on my end. It's like the, the conversation is open. You have promoters that really, really care. Like, and I don't say that they didn't care in the past, but it's like, look, we're all in this together. We all want to leave. All, we all want to have that drink in the production office when this is over with. But we got to get this done. I got to see everybody out of here. So that's what I've been able to see. It's just, there, there's a bunch of little things like, how we tie down chairs, where we put security placement, how we um, how we do, uh, you know, bag checks in the beginning and, and searches at doors. You know, people used to be so offended about that or going through magnometers. There's a reason all that happens now. And I say that to say something comes into the show, every show. We always get something in, you know. So there, there's all that. I've seen that grow. Like, I feel like there's a there's a real care in the industry now. And it, it's, especially in the security side, because it's, it's a much broader topic, you know, than what people think. And so now they understand it isn't just the yellow T-shirt guys that stop you from getting backstage. There's so much more to it. And that's where I've seen it grow for sure. Well, what about the issue of like us as crew getting the third degree, Ooh. walking to a venue first thing in the I morning? That yes. is a poor way to start Thank your day you. off. Right? Woo. Thank I you. knew that was coming. Thank you. Black, white, gray. gray. You just saw me get off the bus. I'm in shorts and flip flops. I got a Lammy. I just got off the bus. I got a Lammy. You haven't seen, and the security should have sent the the, the lambs to the venue before you get there, which I always do. So that's what I'm telling you. I don't have this issue. Whatever entrances we are using, I always say when I get off the bus at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., if I'm traveling with the crew, I want to see my pass sheet as soon as I walk in. Even though you don't, it, it's very self-explanatory. I'm not going to overthink you, but all you need to look for is this one pass. This is all you're going to see till we open doors. This is all you're going to see. That's it. And then I'm going to throw out some working passes. That's it. So let's just, that, like I say, that's that gray area. That's just, you know, you got, that's common sense. I'll just say that. Now, if it's coming from the tour, you got jerk guys out on the tour with you. <laughs> but, you know, and that has happened before. It's like, hey, man, just. Now, what I will do, if I have a serial offender, I'll be like, hey, man, just grab your lanyard. Like, oh, yeah, where's your carabiner, man? Throw your pass on. But 
I'm totally under, I don't, I don't want to fight my crew. Like we, I want them to look at me as a source of strength and knowledge and information and Bailey's got it. Go do your thing. That's all I care. That That's what I care about. But never like, fuck man, come security guy. Like, nah. So yeah, gray area, gray area is all I can tell you. <laughs> you know, this, this subject came up some episodes ago about the crew coming in and getting checked. And it's a theme. Show. It's a thing. It's a, it's a thing. And yes. uh, I, I discussed it with a couple of colleagues and I was reminded about, and it was, I think it was Lollapalooza where uh, this was before, you know, RFID and scanning and all that when, when credentials were just um, visual mm-hmm. that a, some, you know, kids got some credentials, rented a van, went to co come in on site, had their credentials, didn't think they were going to get that far, but didn't know what to do after they got in the gate. Uh-huh. And so then the check everybody that that's one of the, one of those reasons because it, it was, it's super embarrassing. I mean, that's a, and that's a T-shirts. key story. <laughs> But t-shirt. again, look at the lineup. If it's a t-shirt security, a lot of times those guys aren't well vetted. I can give a thousand, you know, situations well, no. of that. But, you know, just like whether it's Bailey saying that nobody sent a pass sheet or it's also the venue side where they're not well. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of people who it's just a freaking t-shirt being worn. It's not about a skilled person who understands the nature of their job. Um, I don't well, know. I can is, hear the argument, before- but I don't feel it. This is before bag checks. This was visual. You show your pass sure. and walk into the gate. Sure. And that and that they got in with a vehicle. And you know we had an incident where you know the security shirt had you know like a security company on it. The color with walking around with someone that looks like an artist roamed around backstage for too long. So yeah, I mean there's both sides. I get what you guys are saying, but you also with headliners and nine times out of 10, we've all talked and had the conversations a lot ahead of time. And we can get a, we can get ahead of that before you show up. But for the other 174 bands showing up with 30 people in the crew, it's harder to do that. It, it is. And let me, let me just add to, to what you're saying. It only takes one incident for everybody to say, you know what? Okay. Here's the policy for everything. And, and I will say, if you can just explain it, sometimes, you know, crew can be, you got, they're sensitive too, and they don't want to start their days off. I've seen a bag check just ruin a guy's day who's coming in the loading, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. fuck it all up. Like, ah, these guys, it's like, and I hate when that happens, right? Having said that, pins on the tour, gray area. I, I worked for a band where we had a couple thousand people follow the tour every show. Some of them were more aggressive than others in the sense of like trying to always sneak in, you know, especially for loading, because you know, you pull in, it's empty. You know, so kids been sitting there all night. They're waiting on you. They know how to get in. How can you mitigate that? Tell your crew, look, we're doing bag checks or we're, we're checking as soon as you get off. Make sure the venue has at least a, a semblance, a, a picture of your past so they know what they're looking for. And everybody's aware that this is going to happen early. And my last thing is I talk to the heads of security for the venue and I'll say, listen, you know your building better than I do. Here's one of the places I need really key people. And in the morning is very key for me that you don't just have the retiree who doesn't care, but is super bitchy. Like I need supervisor worthy and I need them there, you know, just paying attention, you know, and, and taking care of me so we don't start the wrong vibe. So I know what you mean by that. 
you know. It's a conversation. I appreciate that. I think that's a good point, especially good point about setting the tone, though. You need yeah. to set that tone. But with whom? If you think about all the Everybody things we're talking about with it. through. But, I'm, but again, the argument is still, I mean, those of us that tour for a living, if you're tired and you've had a bunch of shit days one after the other and it's your fifth in a row, and now all of a sudden this imbecile, because he doesn't know anything about anything, is just going to grill you on, you know, and depending who you work for, sometimes you have to have things in your bag that other people don't want to see. It's complicated. And you should have the protection of your secure, touring security should be right there checking, not leaving it up to the local yokel to wreck your day. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of it. Especially at award shows. Word. I've seen that. I've seen oh, award shows, man. I've seen artists you having to know. empty their whole bag and just going crazy. Now, right? It's like this is the artist. Get <laughs> the artist in front of you. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Well, wait. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's let's turn this into a question then. So this because this is a nuanced situation when you're mm-hmm. dealing with a festival and you're dealing with an award show. There is not the same level of control over your environment. And where it is a hundred bands or whatever, and everyone has their own security. You know. They, Everybody's got a job to do, you know, much like every other job in life. Most people live in fear of their boss um, or their circumstance. So they don't want to make an executive decision and let something slide. They want to refer back to somebody else that doesn't make them a fucking idiot. So Bailey, what thoughts or suggestions do you have? And this is a big question. So if you don't have a good answer, I get it. What thoughts do you have on how to improve the efficiency of festival entry for, for an artist or, or, or awards show, you know, getting through the security checkpoint and to your designated location? God, that's a wonderful question. <sighs> See, the, the issue is black, white, gray area. So many things have happened in our world that you have, and now you got to think about it. Think about how a, an award show, a festival, those are like high value targets. Those are huge places where there are masses of people and just massive amounts of very influential people, right? So ideally, logistically, the in and out, you know, where you plan the festival and how your roads are starts there, how you get in and out. From there, once you get to the venue, you know, there has to be a, a a clear separation of artist and crowd. That's the way I look at it. So that we're all funneled through the same system. And if you can do that, that to me makes it so much easier than kind of everybody coming in from all over the place. Um, having said that, you're also talking about, so when you talk about festivals, the land that you have to cover, the ground you have to cover, there's so many little corners you know, I think you got to be a little tighter than you normally are for, for award shows and TV shows. Uh, you know, the, the problem with those are you have people who do entertainment shows and then they bring in or they subcontract out, you know, companies that don't do those type of shows, but they're, they they want to lock it down in a certain fashion. So you got to you, you have to, you know, kind of capitulate to the way they want to do things. The only way you can change it is by being the guy in charge and being the guy who creates the plan or at least having the team, truthfully. Because at this point, all I'm going to do is bitch about it. When I go to the Grammys, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, when I go to CMAs, it's the same thing. So I've gotten to the point now where I know where to put my car. 
I all let me tell you this is a trade secret. Go to the venue the day before. Go early. Find out who's in charge. Because the worst thing you can do is be arguing with somebody on show day. I am, I am, I am. We're all somebody. We got somebody. So that's how I work. Artists is in. They, I'm doing my thing. But having said that, like, you know, you're you're kind of beholden to the buildings that you're playing and and the logistics of that building, unfortunately. And we just don't, because we're moving, we normally don't have enough time to really spend and advance every little aspect of that, you know, unless you're the promoter there at the venue. So, like I say, it, it depends. To me, it changes. Like, no day has been the same for me. So it, it changes. I think with festivals, too, it's money. You know, they don't want to spend the money on the support that they need and bring people in early enough to get them properly trained, especially in the large body movements of security. Cause you need so many, sure. so many on those big three day festivals where people are camping, et cetera. You know, people need to be out there for weeks to really understand the lay of the land. They don't even know the lay of the land. They're stuck on some little, you know, intersection and they're like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, but <laughs> in, t- in case of emergency. And then they're also, people don't want to invest in real radio systems and things for health and safety and issues like that. I mean, I think we have a, Real problem in that area, but. Agreed. All right. I got one more question for Bailey, and then we're going to go into our quick hits, unless anybody else here has anything else, and certainly I'll open the floor. The role of security in a post-COVID world, how do you see it evolving? (laughs) How about the role of any of us in this post-COVID world? (laughs) You know, like, listen, we are all important to the worlds that we have and, you know, and they're all at a, a fantastic halt right now. I think the world of security, it becomes more about safety and it comes more about, to me, whew. in the post-COVID world, let me just say. Um, that's a great question. That's not, it's not up to me. That It's not just up to me, let me say this. Because what we're going to deal with now there's going to be new venue regulations. There's going to be new state regulations. There's going to be different city regulations. And I think that there's, that's part of the conversation you have to have now. In addition to, there was a time when you didn't have to get the emergency evacuation plan from the building, but now you should. And now you do. Um, and I think that the COVID plan or at least the mitigation of safety post COVID is going to be what you need to get from the venue. Remember this, if I create a plan, and I give it to the venues all the time. I become liable for that plan. So I don't want to create something that you say, no, you're liable for that. That kid died from that. I need to know what you're doing first, and then I'm going to work around your plan, if that makes any sense. In my mind, there are things that I want to do. I think that all backstage activities for a very long time now are going to have to get cut. And we host a lot of hospitality in our world backstage, especially in Chesney world, we've got sponsors and uh, just VIP lounges and we've got bars. Like we, we have a full bar, you know, in our backstage. I think all of that has to go like meet and greets have to go away. Like, and and now meet and greets are, that's some of your, that's some of your currency with the venue, with the promoter. You need those meet and greets at times. You know, we, we've had sponsors out where, you know, part of your contract with your sponsor is, you got to meet the 20 reps in each city, blah, 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 that kind of thing in their family members. I understand why it happens. I just think that right now, post-COVID, just for right now, I need to be on a tour where I'm not worried about the artists getting COVID during the tour. You know, you can postpone a basketball game a couple of days. If we're on tour, we have dates and hotels and things set up. 
and he's got COVID. And let's say he gets COVID. We don't know how sick he is. It may put you down. You're a singer. You don't know what that does to you. Or, you know, you could be, you know, you, you could not even know how sick you are. I just think we got to mitigate how many people are around. I definitely think that as professionals backstage for us, if you're not vaccinated, I would encourage that my crews all be vaccinated. I mean, I've got guys that I work with now that have had heart attacks, that have heart issues now that I love them to death and I need them in the office with me. And I don't want to get you sick because I know it'll take you out. So I think that needs to happen as opposed to having a tour where you have, you know, everyone continuously getting COVID tested. Let's all get vaccinated. So I, I think touring, you know, if you're not, if you don't like the, the, the COVID passport, I think for us, we, we all need to be vaccinated only because we're moving around so much in different environments, hotel, venue, I think buses are going to have to have those filtration systems now for germs. I think we can't go 13 to a bus now for the crew guys. We're going to have to spend, it's like everybody, like the bus company's going to have to cut me a little break. I need everybody because I need to separate this. Stuff. I am, you know, fortunate. I'm on a bus with three guys and that's good. But I know that we have buses that have 14 people on it, you know, or 12 people on it rather. And so like, yeah. Yeah. that's got to stop, you know, so that stops backstage stops. Um, the way we do catering is going to change. You know, it's not a free-for-all, you know. And then, and literally, I mean, think about it. You have the local crew that comes in catering. Then you have us like, nah, that's all I got to take. Like, I don't no go to buffets, buffets. Now, you know. The yeah. buffets stop. <laughs> that's not stop. So, you know, I, I just think, and, and I think that we can get used to that. Truthfully, if you ask me, as much as we need a lot of those things, I, would, I love quiet backstages. I love it when it's just us raging together. Because there's so much going on with the show. I hate dealing with these drunk assholes over here in this VIP yes. that literally keep messing up the whole vibe. And I, I live with that. In Chesney World, oh, we're thousands of passes per, you know what I mean? Hundreds of passes per night because we have so many people to take care of. I want everybody to go watch the show and enjoy it. That's what we're here for anyway. We're here to provide the entertainment, and that's the show. That's my biggest deal. I'm, I would love to not do anything. <laughs> yeah, the backstage party vibe, I agree, 100%. It has to stop. It has to stop. At least this year, and then maybe after that, it'll help kind of manage that um, you know, privilege. That's what I'm saying. Post-COVID, the first couple of years. Over yeah. the stage, the poser platforms over the stage. Go on, go on. <laughs> you're expirating and you don't believe in vaccines and you're spitting on top of, you know, my monitor engineer who I need. Yes, and you yes. get him sick, we're going to shut this yeah, tour yeah. down because my lead singer, this is the only guy he's had for the last 30 years and he loves this guy. Yeah. That yeah. guy goes out, we're fucked. We don't bring in a sub for him. Right. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, see, I care about everybody that way. I need yeah. everybody. Protecting the runners, you know? The runners have vans coming in and out of the vans all day long. It's like the got to protect them too. What so about, we, the, what about the, moving? Uh, I mean, obviously we have the COVID issue, but on a bigger scale too, we have just like the global crisis of the world nowadays where those of us that tour, um, you know, both in and out of the country, maybe you've already been in this situation, maybe you've not, but there'll be multiple different nationalities on a tour. And it seems like the security guys don't recognize that or what the embassy is for said people. Um, Etc. And and how to get information if you are caught in some kind of chaotic local uh, disaster, you know, why do, do you think you could provide a better formula and like share it with your um, security friends that uh, could 
keep us all safer? And why isn't this kind of conversation um, had more often and in better ways? You know, that's a great question. I think that we don't, my, we don't share a lot of information anyway. And I think that although we are all touring professionals, unfortunately, we're also all independent contractors at times, right? So you're learned to, or kind of taught to take care of yourself and people don't think about, let me share this with the guys that work this tour. Now I have, when I have friends and people that I know, I, I always give the information so that we're, we're flowing. But I just think that, you know, there's a part of this particular business that is, I've got my world, I've got what I do and I don't share it with other people and we just don't communicate, you know? So yeah, I, I, I just think that we just, that's why it doesn't get passed down. I do think, I don't think it's right, but I think that's why it doesn't get passed down. Hmm. Bailey, you've been fantastic. We appreciate you. Tammy, anything else from you? So many things, but no. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys for even caring. Yes, Thank you yes. for letting me babble about Carol, my life. Carol. I've never done this. I appreciate you. Dallas, what else? Anything? Again, good? so many, but no. I mean, it's nice to hear someone with a pulse talking about these things that truly yeah, cares. I, there's a lot of people out there that don't, and yet they have the role. And for someone who has to work very closely with some of these people, um, you know, I've been doing what I do for a long time and I've done it as a promoter. So I get it from the venue perspective. I get it from the artist perspective and being fortunate enough to have clients that I've had. Um, I've been exposed to a lot of different types of security and I know when it can be done excellently and everybody can be protected. And I've also seen it where it's putting other people at risk and um, I'm one to like to keep everybody healthy and safe. So it's nice to hear someone like you, Bailey, on our team. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can't wait to work with you directly. <laughs> We'd love to. <laughs> we'll love this is what you're going to get every day. Excellent. <laughs> Brother Banks, what else from you? Uh, just hearing what you're saying about everything, Bailey, do you see the future being a requirement that everybody is vaccinated that's going to be on tour? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if I am a, this is me talking. If I'm a tour director or, or someone that has an influence prior to us starting this tour, it's something that would make me feel better. And I, I would, I would want to know. Let me just put it out there. I would absolutely want to know. I would hate to put, because I think that more of us are going to be vaccinated because we're, we're, we're the last ones in. Yeah. We still aren't back. All of the pre-conversations, the festival talk. I love listening to this podcast just because it's like, okay, who says they're going to do a show? Who says that? Really? Let's do it. So I love all that conversation, but I would feel horrible if I got a bus and I've got six guys on a bus and one of them is not vaccinated. I want everybody to, when your job is done, to feel like, hey, we got out of the venue you know, because some of us have to be in the crowd. Some of us don't. I want to kind of keep us all away from everybody for as long as possible, just so that we're okay. We need to be our own world. Just let's lock in, bus compound. That's what we do. I know everybody here is vaccinated. And then we don't have the conversation. And then what you also don't have is you're on a bus and you're sleeping and you hear, <coughs> and like, who got COVID about to shut the whole tour down? You know what I mean? Leave that guy at the rest stop. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would love to create a situation where we're all back. If we have to go overseas and we all get vaccinated and show our yellow card, we did it for yellow fever, done it for so many other things. Why not do it here? It does I feel like we're arguing about something that's so simple. Yes. You going need to go to there's times you got to go to Africa, you got to go to some of the places in the Congo. You got to get malaria vaccines like you were talking about. 
I'm not even talking, about, I'm talking about us working. Yeah. It's like, there's never any question like, okay, you don't want to get a vaccine? You don't go on the tour. I'll see you later. Yeah. Job's yeah. over, get a job. We, we got six weeks worth of shit to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anything other than the, the threat of not having your job doesn't make you say, let me go do the right thing, which is get the vaccine. You know what I mean? There's nothing. And if you think that it's that bad, remember you're on tour with everyone else who has it. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not into a bad herd mentality. Just do what they do, what other people do. But this is something that's safe for you. You know, so that's how I feel about it. Yes, we all should get it. Excellent. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, Bailey, as we go into our quick hits, as you know, every week we ask these same questions. First tour, what do you got? First tour, MC Breed. Uh, he was a oh! local MC. He had one gold single, Ain't No Future in Your Front. <laughs> it was not really a tour. It was me driving his IROC, and we had a Grand Cherokee that followed us. And we would go from little towns from Akron, Ohio, to all over the Midwest, play shows all the time. I mean, literally 1500 bucks, two grand, 750 Oh, we... By the end of the week, we made money, <laughs> and we come right back home. That was my first tour. Right. <laughs> A favorite moment. Give us just one. What do you got? Uh, favorite moment would just be, um, wow, so many. I feel very fortunate for all these moments. So I that, just doing what I've been able to do, I feel very fortunate. But I will say that... Um, I, uh, I, I've had a couple shows where I felt like um, the band really connected with the audience. And you just feel great about that, if that makes any sense. And it was just 100%. a time where everything was great. And you're just like, God damn, this is beautiful. I, you know, I feel this. And, and I felt the whole vibe. And I'll say that I, I've been fortunate enough that a few bands, I've, I've liked everybody that I worked with, let me say that. Um, but I, that's a great feeling for me. That, it's an overall feeling, but it's happened a lot. And so that's my favorite feeling on tour. Okay. One thing about the industry you'd like to see us doing better moving forward. More communication, more communication, more community. We, we are, we got to stop acting like the world stops and starts with what we do. You know, if you tour manage all a bunch of big, bad bands, that's awesome. I need your information. Like just share, you know, I've been, you know, part of my upbringing and learning when I was doing a lot of big shows and just stadium shows, I've been the support act on that show and been treated like shit by the headliner. Mm. And I've been fortunate enough that I've been the headliner or with the headliner for years. And I never, ever treat people the way that I got treated. You know, we, we got to do this together. So I need to just, we got to minimize this hierarchy that we have about people that are our peers. That's all. There's a hierarchy in the job, but our peers, we got to communicate with more. That's all. There should be no reason that, you know, I play the same stadium you play I have an issue and you don't know how, you know, what you're, what you're walking into, you know? So that, that's my big thing is communication. I like it. Shout outs. Uh, you know, I want to shout all you guys out for just like literally taking an hour and a half of your day to care about anything that I have to say. I appreciate <laughs> you. Like nobody ever wants to talk to me unless something's wrong. <laughs> so I appreciate you. <laughs> Uh, and also I think because we're all in the same kind of job. <laughs> so we really appreciate exactly. we're happy to, you know, support our fellow pain. <laughs> it's important, you know. So it, uh, just, you know, I, my mentors in this world are Jerome Crooks, who 
you know well. That's 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 my guy. I knew Jerome when I was like the security guy on other tours, and I'd be like, who is that guy? Because he's like the only black dude I ever see that's tour managing all the bands that I want to work for. And Jerome, <laughs> I told him that when I met him. He taught me the game. Uh, Gus Brandt is also one of my big-time mentors. Like, he's the guy. Foo Fighters never had security ever. Gus and I did Blink-182, and I remember the conversation sitting with him in Dublin, Ireland, and I was like, look, man, this tour ends this week. You've been tour managing the Foo Fighters the last 15. This, I've worked for Foo about 10, 12 years. But you, I was like, at the time, I was like, managing Foo's all these years. Like, you say, you know, the band says they don't need it, but you like what I do. So bring what I do onto that tour. And the rest is history. He he gave me that. All I need is that door cracked, man. I, I've been very fortunate. It opened up just a wealth of things that just the Sam music, all those guys. So it's very, very fortunate. So that's my guy. Shout out to Gus Brandt. And he has some of the best one-liners ever. Oh, I quote him all the time. Constantly. I am a walking quote book of Gus Brandt horrible quotes. He is like a wonderful person who will abuse you mentally and will the whole time. And you'll be laughing the whole time. Is he he kidding? Is he serious? (laughs) (laughs) Am I troubled? Yeah. Oh, we're good. Yeah. That's my guy. I quote him all the time. Trust we me. need to get Gus on this program. I don't know how we've yeah, done 68 did. episodes and he's not yeah. one. So true story. I talked to him yesterday. I told him I was coming on to this. And I was like, dude, it's a couple of things. I, I, I asked him to come on to this and I asked him to jump onto some conversation about the advisory committee. And I, I'm, I'm needling him. I can get him. I can get it. I, just so you know, if you're interested in talking to Gus, for sure. all I ask is that I can sit on that because... I, I just literally need to hear it. That's all I can say. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do Started this. Started working right. yesterday. Yeah. All right. Done and done. Tammy, shout outs from you. What do you got? You know, I, I'm going to go off of what Bailey said. It's just like to all of you guys and to the industry, it looks like there is light at the end of the tunnel and we are going to get back to work. So I'm keeping my hands together that we get to do that. So, look, yeah, let's share information. Let's be there for each other and let's do this. Mm-hmm. Dallas. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to us and I'm going to say how great this podcast is because it's when I realize now we still are, we hey, may have the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still like a candle flickering in the wind, <laughs> not so much as some real work for many of us. So um, I think it's awesome. You know, the podcast has kept us nice and steady on a path, which is great to talk to our friends and non-friends who are now friends and um, remind us of the community that we have and the work we do, which is incredible. Love that. Thanks. For sure, hustle like you broke. It is uh, forged new relationships. We become family with so many other people that we haven't met and haven't worked with before. And specifically, got a shout out to Danny Trebner, who took care of my family last week on spring break. I mean, she set us up in Dana Point for my daughter and my missus. It was amazing. She's amazing. So, hey, if you guys are looking for something to do, she's phenomenal. So Travel. Take advantage of all these people that are sitting at home who have these amazing skills who can set you up with a vacation or something. Just reach out to folks. I'm going to use that opportunity to remind our listeners that next week we're actually bringing back four or five guests that have been with us on past episodes just to catch up with them, people we haven't heard from in a while. 
Danny is one. Meg mm. Dieter is another. Ian nice. Simon is coming out. Yes. Couple others, TBD and or TBA. But uh, to our listeners, keep uh, keep uh, you know your ears peeled. Look forward to seeing you guys again soon. My shout out is to our listeners, but my shout out is also to all those people who are administering the vaccines to get mm. us yes. back to work, to get people healthy. The woman who administered mine yesterday was very quick to say that she is 68 years old. She is retired. She came out of retirement in order to do this. I give it up to her. I give it up to everyone out there who is spending their time administering vaccines, putting themselves at risk in order to administer vaccines to the rest of us. So thank you to all of them. Again, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to Bailey. Dude, you have to come back again and again. You are welcome here anytime. Part of the family. We appreciate you. I want to work with you. I'm pretty sure all of us do yes, here please. after after you today. Uh, I'll send you a link to my out. email, like whenever, please. <laughs> 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 Even if it's January, I just need to see somebody offer me a job. <laughs> Don't they need some counseling, some festivals, or some kind of that's, that's right. You're gonna get an email from me tomorrow, just asking for a backstage pass, just so that you can feel like you're doing work. I got you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Love it, love it, love it. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's that's all we got for today. Another one in the can. Appreciate everyone out there. And uh, on that note, thank you all and good night. Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast and sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.